But if you've got a Bible this morning, let's go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 8. This is the whatever scripture, the whatever scripture. Uh, here, Paul speaking to the church in Philippi, and from verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate, think about, chew over, meditate on these things. In fact, the word meditate means to mutter. It's like a cow when it chews on its cud. It's like you meditate on it, you chew over it, you think about it. And here Paul is saying, these are the things I want you to have occupy your mind. Things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of a good report. You know, so many things in our life can occupy our mind. But I've found what our mind dwells on ultimately shapes us. Uh, what we dwell on, what we think about, it, it only, not only determines our course, but it shapes our character. Now, if you've got your Bible, I want you to flick over to Romans. Go back into Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. This is Paul again speaking to the Romans. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the, somebody shout it out, according to the, according to the, help me out in every location, according to the, the things of this, uh, who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I hear Paul saying, I want you to set your mind no, not on the things of the flesh, but, but I want you to live in your mind according to the Spirit. And he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Come on, how many want to experience life and peace? Uh, you've got to be spiritually minded. Some people say, well, I don't want to be one of those spiritual people. Well, here's the deal. You have a spirit. So by nature, by design, you are spiritual. You just got to engage your spirit, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, here to set your mind is is, is to like set the station, the TV station of your mind. It is to focus intently. It means to be preoccupied by. In other words, you can't get it out of your mind. You can't think of anything else. It is to allow your attention and your imagination to be totally captured. You know, how many have ever got into a position where it's like you want to stop thinking about something, but you can't think about it? And the harder you try and stop thinking about it, the more you think about it. You know, especially when it comes to things that you're anxious over. You know, you're trying to calm your nerves. And calming your nerves, you're thinking about it, but you don't want to think about it. And you're trying to relax, but you can't relax. And it's like these things come and fill our space. 
Come and fill our head. Now, now this morning, I want us to have a little bit of a health check in our mind. In fact, last week, I went for a health check, and uh, it, it was a little bit scary. Um, because for those that don't know, I got diagnosed with a disease that put me in hospital. I've since been cleared with that disease, but I had a little bit of a problem with reflux. And the doctor, because of what I had, said, hey, you need a full checkup. And I'm going, oh no, I, I don't want a full checkup. So number one, I was nervous about the investigative procedure because it involved exposure. And, and a whole lot of cameras. You know, it's always awkward going into those surgeries, you know, that you have that little gown on and, and you know you're gonna be knocked off and knocked out, should I say, and uh, I'll get there, all right? Yeah, yeah, take it as you wanna take it. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, you get knocked out and uh, you know that little flimsy little gown is boom, straight off and there you are in your full glory. You know, and it's going, oh. I'm nervous about that, but here's the deal. I wasn't just nervous about the checkup. I, I was nervous about what I was going to hear back. I was nervous about the report. I'd get back. I, I know I've been all right. I feel good, but what if? What if I get a bad report? What if I don't wake up? You know, what if I have something awful like cancer? Yeah, you know, uh, what if I'm going to die? How many know these all thoughts go through your mind? What if I'm never going to see my daughters grow up? Well, what if I, I, I can't walk them down the aisle? That's about 30 years from now, but yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, oh, all these things. What if? What if? How many ever found themselves in a place where you're going down a whole lot of crazy scenarios? And you had ever been in that space? You know, right at that time, I had to shut them down quickly. You know, sometimes it happens for me on airplane. Turbulence. You know, a bit of turbulence. Oh, we're going to crash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you freak out. You get nervous. You get the, the, a little bit sweaty. It's like, ah. Oh. You know, and then you're on a long haul flight. And you're watching a movie. Like, Taken. <laughs> Oh man, that just ups the ante to another level. And you're going through all these scenarios because you haven't seen your kids for 10 days. And, and, and all these things go through your mind. You know, I, I like what Psalm 112 says. Psalm 112, it says, it says, because it says the righteous shall never be shaken. Now, isn't that good news this morning? Uh, the righteous shall never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. Uh, they will have no fear of bad news. The righteous, what will they be? They will never be shaken, and they will have no fear of bad news news. Man, that, that's some good news there. It says, surely the, uh, the righteous shall never be shaken. They'll be remembered forever. They, they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. Somebody say no fear. And in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Now, that's the promise of God. 
for you and I, that we will be never shaken, we will be steadfast, yeah. and we'll be secure. That's a whole lot of S words right there. Uh, here's the deal. Whatever your mind goes to naturally and freely, when there's nothing else to distract it, that is the thing you really live for. That is the thing that you really live for. You know, I, I like how the New Living Translation puts Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, it says for those who are dominated by the sinful nature. How I many know we can be dominated by past mistakes, by present desires? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Uh, you think, you meditate on sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, that leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The question I want to ask this morning is, who controls your mind? Who's in control of your mind? Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it your sinful nature? Is it the flesh? See, I found my flesh gets led by what's ever happening around it. It gets controlled by, by externals. But the Holy Spirit, where does He live? He lives in us. In us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're not controlled by your environment. You're controlled. You're living according to God's plan and purpose. When you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you start thinking about His promise and His plan. You know, too many people live with what if what if what if that happens what if that never happens what if and a lot of it is focused on the negative i love the fact that the righteous don't have what ifs they have whatevers yeah whatever comes my way even if it's bad news i'm not gonna fear i'm not gonna be shaken i'm gonna be secure i'm steadfast see we don't have what ifs we have whatever comes. It doesn't matter what's happening around me because I have God living on the inside of me. Yeah, and when you've got God living on the inside of it, you, you know His promise is sure. See, here it's not saying that we will never get bad news. We've all had bad news. It's saying that when that news arrives at your doorstep, here's the deal, you'll have no fear. You'll have no fear. In this series, we are going to look at the life of Caleb. Because I reckon Caleb's a champion. You know, he, he was only two, one of two out of a whole generation of people who actually entered into the fulfillment of what God promised. Uh, so we've got a lot to learn from Caleb. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand on the edge of something and never enter into it. I don't want to just have the promise of something and never see the fulfillments of. See, see, a whole generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. 
because of the unbelief. But Numbers says, in Numbers 14, 24, it says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. God's got a promise for you to inherit. He doesn't want you just to receive the promise. He wants you to possess it. Come on, let's not live on the edge of something that can never enter into it. Come on, as a church, in every location, we want to possess our promise. We want to live in the fulfillment of what God has declared. And I believe in this verse, we see that the key is David, not David, but Caleb had a different spirit. In fact, six times in the Old Testament, you'll see that not only did did Caleb have a different spirit, but it says of Caleb that he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Now, now the name Caleb actually means dog. Not exciting news for those who are called Caleb. Actually, a, a little bit more exp- extended version of that is like they follow like a dog. Uh, they follow like a dog. Now, now here's the deal. Caleb, he was loyal. Loyal to what? He was loyal to God's promise. He watched all his friends, all his relatives die, but he never wavered. When it came to the promise that God had declared. You know, 170 times in scriptures, God says to the children of Israel, I've got this land for you. Go in. I have given it to you. Now, this is not just once, not twice, but 170 times. 170 times God declared it. I've got this land. I really believe holding on to and believing in unfulfilled promises is what keeps you alive in life. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of Christians, sadly, they're born again, but they're, but they're dead. Because they, they haven't got a mountain that they, they know they're called to. They haven't got a promise that they're holding on to. That the fact that you've got an unfulfilled promise means that there's breath in your lungs. It's, it's what keeps you alive in the journey. Uh, I, I love what, what disheartens one excites another. So many people say, I've got, I got so many unfulfilled promises. Another person says, man, I've got unfulfilled promises. Uh, I've got a, a journey ahead. I've got an adventure ahead. Oh, you know, nothing's happening in my world. Oh, it's too difficult. It's too hard. One person says, no, God's bigger. God's stronger. God's able to break through. Man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I have unfulfilled destiny. Great. Uh, the fact is, if all our destiny is, is being fulfilled, we don't have a reason for existence. Uh, the reason, uh, you know, the good thing is, when you got unfulfilled destiny, I remember one time being on a plane going to Dunedin, and our plane got struck by lightning. You know, literally, a bag, bang! Saw the smoke came out of the wing beside me. A little bit freaky. We went down a little bit, you know, navigate through. It was bumpy all over the show. The lady next to me, she was 
grabbing that. She actually grabbed my arm as well. I'm going, ah, as well. That gave me a big, big fright. Yeah, it, it was all happening. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the stewardess got on the, on the microphone and said, hey, uh, first principles of aviation, number one is to aviate. Second one is to navigate. Third one is to communicate. Uh, we don't have anything to tell you right now. <laughs> they put a whole lot of peace, not. <laughs> but she, uh, she did say, hey, uh, in all my 20 years of flying, this has never happened before. <laughs> Great way to bring calm. <laughs> now, I sat there and I was like, yeah, don't get me wrong, I was a little bit nervous, but inside, I had a peace in my life because I, I knew the plane wasn't gonna crash because I got unfulfilled destiny. God's got a plan for my life. You know, I'm aligning my life with His purpose. I, I know I'm trying to outwork what God's called me to. See, see, when you're living in the will of God, you're in the safest place. Yeah, yeah. My concern is when people don't have unfulfilled destiny. They don't know. You know it's often we get bad news, but I want to declare the report you believe is better than the news you receive. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, today in every location, come on, you've got to understand you're a spy. See, see, in your mind's eye, I want you to go out in the spirit and spy the land that God has for you. He, he's got to let you are a spy. I'm a spy. We're all spies. You know, Kathy always wanted to be a spy. You know, I'm just saying, you know, she loved to watch that program Alias with Jennifer Garner. You know, that one, you know, pretend she was the, the spy in the middle of it. In fact, I just watched the movie Allied. And the wife was a spy, a traitor. You better not be one of those. <laughs> but here's the deal. This morning, she's not. We get to be spies. We get to go out in the spirit. We get to go and look at the promise, at the land that God has for each and every one of us. Come on, there's something exciting about being a spy. I, I want to show you that, that the, the future you experience is not determined by the news you receive, but the reports you believe. It's not determined by the news you receive. You, you may receive some bad news, but your life is not determined by that. It's by the reports you believe. Now we see in Numbers that that, that Moses, he sends out these spies to check out the land. Numbers 13, verse 17, it says, When Moses sent them out to explore Canaan, he sent them to go up to Neve and, and, on, and on into the hill country. See what the land is like. Whether, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? What kind of towns they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? And the trees in it, are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Wow. Hey, you spies. He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to go out there and I want you to size up the situation. I want you to come back and tell us 
tell the remainder of us what it's like. So what happens is they go out for 40 days. They, they explore this territory, this land that God had said he had given to them. You know, what they saw is they saw big fruit. In fact, the, the fruit was so big that they cut off some, fr- uh, some grapes and they needed a pole with two people to carry these grapes back. Man, how many know that's a good land? Yeah, you know, they saw it. it was surely a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land. But some of the spies who went out, they didn't bring back a good report. In fact, in verse 26, we pick it up. It says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Look at these grapes, they're massive. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, just as God had told them. And here is its fruit, so it's all good, right up to this point. But verse 28, it says, but the people, everyone say, but the people. But the people people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live in Nave, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and all the other ites. <laughs> you know, the greatest ite that you should fear is cellulite. No. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all the ites lived, they lived in the hill country. And the Canaanites lived there and near the sea along the Jordan. Yeah, you know, here. Here, you've got to go back to uh, Moses' original brief. He says, hey, I want you to explore the land. I, I want you to explore the land, not the people. Wow. Wow. But here they come back and they say, but the people. I, I, I want to challenge you today so, to think that we don't actually experience our reality. We don't experience our reality. We, res- uh, we experience our perspective on reality. Uh, the grapes, what were they? They were reality. But the rest of the report, what were they? They were just their perspective. Yeah, Mount Eden could look like a mountain to a two-year-old. But once you get bigger, you know that there's other mountains such as Mount Cook, Mount Everest. Yeah, you know, the other mountains. And, and Mount Eden, in comparison to Mount Everest. Yeah, it's all to do with perspective. You know, they said they're powerful. Oh, the people are powerful. Compared to what? Oh, oh this is big. They're big. Compared to who? You know, how many know somebody's always giving a commentary on your life? Giving their perspective on a situation, that's what commentators do. I don't know how many times I sit in front of the TV and I disagree with the commentators. Because how many know the commentators aren't always right? right. Shane Warne found that out last week. I don't know if you follow cricket, many don't. I know it's a hated sport, but here, just tune in for the sake of this illustration right now. Uh, Here, Shane Warne, he was commenting about the selector of Sean O'Keefe, who's a spin bowler. Now, Shane Warne, he's an expert spin bowler. He's a spinner. 
yeah. in many regards. Uh, <laughs> but but Sh Sean O'Keefe, he reckons shouldn't be selected. I don't know why he's in the team. He's part-time. He shouldn't really be here. You know, da, 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 da. And, and he was saying this live, commentating on the situation. Do you know in the next 20 balls after he had just said that, Sean O'Keefe took rec a record amount of wickets. He took six wickets and he won Australia the test match. Now I'm not excited by that. But I, I'm using that illustration to say commentators, news reporters, all their fake news, no, uh, they don't get it right. Just because you got bad news doesn't mean you need to allow it to become your reality. You know, your report, the report you have in your spirit determines what you experience. Now, here's the deal. Twelve spies were sent out. Only two came back with a good report. That's a 10 to 2 ratio. I challenge to say there's always 10 negative thoughts in your mind to the two positive ones. And you've got to listen to those two positive. Yeah, our mind gravitates towards the negative. It gravitates to why it can't be done. It gravitates that way. No, we need to tap into the spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, when driving the car, you know, you're taught when it comes to your steering wheel to hold your hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. At 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, you know, to be stable. You know, I, I want to say who's driving right now, the 10 hand or the 2? Who, who's driving your thoughts? Now, I'm not saying in a practical sense you should take your hand off the 10, but in your mind, you need to take the hand off the 10 of the steering wheel of your mind and let the 2 drive it. You can put the other arm up if you want. But you need the, the 2 to drive the thought patterns of your life. See, who's driving your thought life? Who's talking you out of what God has called you into? Very good, very good. How many know sometimes we just talk too much? Uh, we, uh, we just talk. In fact, uh, uh, Proverbs 10, uh, verse 19, we should all know this verse, and it, it can help us in a lot of ways. It says, in the multitude of words... Sin is not lacking. Here, the chances are, the more you talk about it, the more you'll talk yourself out of it. In the multitudes of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. See, we're all prophesying our future one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? The ten spies, they just prophesied their future. They died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb, what did they do? They entered into it. I love verse 30. It says, then Caleb silenced the people. In other words, shut up. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man, the man who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread out among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Come on, what report are you giving about your future right now? 
They, they spread this report. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of a great size. We saw the Nippulun and, and the descendants of Anak that come from that place. And, and, and we seemed, listen to this, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. How did they know that? Did they go up to the people and say, do we look like grasshoppers? And they go, yeah, you, you actually look like grasshoppers. We're going to stamp on you. I'm not right there. That, that's a lie. They didn't know what they thought. In fact, if we read the Bible, that the people who were occupying Jericho, they had heard what God had done for the Israelites, and they were afraid of them. Uh, so their perspective had no reality attached to it. Come on, some of us right now need to get rid of our grasshopper, uh, grasshopper complex. You know, we've got too many people who just got a grasshopper complex. Grasshoppers get squashed easily. You know, Proverbs says, as a, as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. If you think of yourself as being inferior, guess what you'll be? If you see yourself as lacking, you will always be in that place of lack. Yeah. If you see yourself never getting chosen, never getting promoted, if you see yourself that way, that's what you'll project, and that's ultimately what you'll live out. I like Caleb because he said, shut up. He silenced them. He said, we can do this. You've got to remember, this is just after they had seen God deliver them from Egypt, take them through the Red Sea, uh, to see all Pharaoh's army swamped in the middle of it. They've seen many miracles up to this point. They've seen the plagues. And here, they were in a place that they were limiting God to their own resource. Yeah, some of you... You've seen God do amazing things, but you've still got a grasshopper mentality. You're waiting for another sign before you believe. But God's saying, come on, I want you to believe. I love Caleb because he had the courage to be in a minority of two. Some of us, we want other people to believe and then we'll get on board. But no, when it comes to God's promise, here's the deal. If you don't believe it, if you don't have it on the inside, That's it. That's it. it's not going to last. Wow. And I want to say, don't let the opinions of complacent people set the limits Come of on. your future. Right, sir. Don't let anybody else have a commentary on your life except God. Yeah. See, I love the story of D.L. Moody, uh, the great revivalist. He started off as a shoe salesman. It said that he was uneducated. He never went to university, never went to seminary, Bible college. He, he wasn't ordained, but he had a huge impact. It, it, the story goes that one day he was captivated because he listened to a sermon by, uh, by a, a guy by the name of Henry Varley. And he heard him speak these words. And they resonated in his spirit. Henry uh, Varley said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and with and through and for a man wholly committed to him. The world is yet to see that. D.L. Moody said, by the grace of God, I will be that man. 
by the grace of God. I, I reckon the world has yet to see a fully empowered church with every believer running on all cylinders. I pray we would be that church by the grace of God. Now, here's the thing with D.L. Moody. He shook two continents for Jesus. Europe, America. He was uneducated. In fact, people would say at the time he murdered the king's English. In fact, one time he preached to a crowd of educated, sophisticated uh, British men. And he said this, is recorded. Don't never think that God don't love you, for he do. <laughs> now, listen to that. He, he said this, don't never think that God don't love you, for he do. But here's the deal. As bad as his grandma was, God used him to bring thousands of people to Christ. See, some of you right now are looking at what you can do. But I want to say, whose report will you believe? Come on, I want to go wrong cannoli on you. For those who've been in church a little while, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. But I will believe the report of the Lord. For some here. Your faith is dying in the desert, not because of your enemy, but because how you're looking at your enemy. You're looking at it wrong. First of all, if you haven't realized it, you're not a grasshopper. You never were, you are. You know, look at your neighbor. They're not grasshoppers. And not are you. Nor are you. Second thing that you need to realize, number two is, you're no longer a slave. Come on. See, everybody in the story, they've grown up in slavery, and that's all they had known. Yeah, they've been delivered from Egypt, but Egypt hadn't been delivered from them. And so all as they saw, looked at things through was a slavery mentality. A slavery mentality. That's how they saw their future. Four things, just quickly, finish off in the last five minutes is number one, you know you're a slave when, number one, you desire your old life more than you're excited about the future promise. See, the Israelites, they even came to a place and point where they wanted the leeks of Egypt over the grapes of the promised land. Some of you right now are looking at your unsafe friends and you're desiring what they have. You're thinking, man, I, I want that. You're still a slave. God's got grapes. Grapes are better than leeks. Yeah, God's got something better for you if you just believe His promise. In John chapter 8, verse 33, it says, they answered Him, you know, we are Abraham's descendants. And we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we'll be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son. Everyone say a son. A son, a son belongs to it forever. Some of you think you're working for a master <coughs> rather than a father. Second way, you know you're a son. You know you're a son when you don't know your rights as a son. See, slaves, they feel like they don't belong. Even in a setting, many people come in with a slave mentality and the enemy gets in the head and tells them, oh, you don't fit, you don't belong, you're different. You know, it's not for you. Oh, you're, you're, you could never live up to that. 
You've got a mindset where you live under a master rather than a father. A father, when you're no longer a slave, you recognize that you have a permanent place in the family. And your performance doesn't change your position in the family. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, you can be secure as a son. Third way that you, you know you're a slave is when you talk about freedom, but you don't pursue it. You don't move towards it. Fourth way that you know you're a slave, you know you're a slave when you see big as impossible. When you see big, it's impossible. See, I really believe God in His mercy had to leave a generation to die in the wilderness. Because He knew if they didn't have the faith to enter the promised land, they wouldn't have the faith to occupy it. If they didn't have the faith to enter it, they'd never have the faith to occupy it. And all the ites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all those ites would destroy them. I, I wanted to get, I asked you the question, what report are you believing today? In all locations, come on, what news are you listening to? Because what fear does is it turns good news into a bad report. How many know some people can put a negative spin on anything? Some people say, well, I'm just being the devil's advocate. Well, why would you do that? Come on. I don't want anything to do with the devil. I want him under my feet. I don't want to be his advocate. I, I, I want to be an advocate of the promise of God. I want to declare, I want to align my life with the, the promise of God. See, see, righteous people never fear bad news. You've always got your issue, but the issue is your interpretation of the issue. Sometimes people come up to me and say, oh, I need to talk to you as a pastor. I need to talk to you. At that moment, sometimes you freak out. Oh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be bad news? They have a problem with me. Oh, they're going to leave the church. All these things go through your mind. It's always you get a little bit nervous. Oh, you know, even if Kathy says, I need to talk to you, you know, it's like, oh, what have I done? It's like your, your mind can go towards a negative thing. No, if she says, I need to talk to you, don't worry, it's nothing bad. That puts me at ease. But, you know, our mind has the ability to go down all these rabbit warrants. And it sucks energy. And it destroys faith. And it stops us entering in to what God has for us. Come on, the righteous never fear bad news. Come on, I want to declare over your life that God's got a promised land. He's got a mountain for you to take. He's got something better than where you currently are right now. And and the adventure of the Christian life is saying, give me this mountain, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm not going to listen to the naysayers. I'm not going to believe in a negative report. I'm going to take the report, your report, and and I'm going to trust you with my life. Two spies. Two spies carried a report that aligned themselves with God's promise. See, many dreams don't get realized. Many promises remain unfulfilled and unclaimed simply because of what lives between our two ears and the arguments. But here's the deal. To be spiritually minded is life 
and it's peace. To be carnally minded is death. Come on, where do you need to silence some arguments? Like Caleb, where do you need to stand up to the voices in your head and say, be quiet, shut up. I'm not listening to you. I'm not letting you railroad what God has for me. Yeah, there's some big things. But my Bible says all things are possible to those who believe. Come on, you may be up against a difficulty. You may be up against an impossibility. But I want to declare God's bigger, He's stronger, He's faithful, and He's on your side if you choose to believe in Him. Come on, if you believe that, how about standing to